Your dad and I agreed it would be best if you just stop being who you are and doing the things you love. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I'm Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And this week, we are joined by returning guest, Taylor. How's it going? Hello, hello. Good. How are you? See, we're all on the same energy level here tonight, ready to uh, talk about, (laughs) very excitedly talk about the best films of the year, because it's our last week of the year. Uh, We're done our streaming December. We've talked about our lifetime Christmas movies, or at least the three that we could stomach actually watching. Um, We didn't, we should do like a separate episode dedicated to Sister Swap uh, to see if it's really just as ridiculous as dan Harmon makes it out to be but um and i'm sure it is but uh i would bet it is yeah but tonight we're definitely just going to talk about 2022 we've got some stuff that we're going to get into a little bit but we're just general going to talk about the year in movies so before we do that though we got to talk about what we're drinking so i'm like what do you got all right i went to a favorite of the podcast with bone saw and i went with their cherry cordial queen so they have their queen uh cream ales that line this is a chocolate cherry cream ale i think we've had a few of the queen ales on here it's like plum queen queensicle uh irish queen irish queen something else oh i remember doing rudy i did irish queen because i said what is rudy if not an irish queen he is an irish queen that's right (laughs) but um it's delicious i love the this whole line of beer really um this one and the irish queen are my two favorites all right, yeah. All right. So Taylor, what do you have? Uh we we talked beforehand. Apparently you're you're feeling under the weather. Unfortunately, I did a cross country, not cross country, I did a northeast. I don't know where cross country came from. Road trip and um, north to south, not east to west. <laughs> no, just from New Jersey to Boston, but different states all in a short span of time, which meant no sleep and also eating like absolute crap as one should during Christmas. And I woke up this morning and my body is currently hating me. That's usually so how it happens. Pull in spring is the way to go. Nice. You have to do all that for your body to hate you. <laughs> you know, yeah. I added some emergency, add some sprinkle dust in there. It is a great kick. Yeah. Don't worry. When you get older, you won't even have to go up to Boston for your body to hate you. But uh my buddy yeah, hates you for two beers. Yeah, it's just every day is hell. But um <laughs> all right, everything so hurts. yeah, everything hurts everywhere all at once. But um <laughs> all right, so I just basically like getting back to a couple weeks ago I did a craft of six pack, and this is the other couple from uh that craft of six pack. A couple of them actually fit with what we're gonna be talking about tonight. Um the first one's from Tom's River Brewing. It is Celtic Sunrise, and it's a pale ale with natural blood orange flavor, 4.7 uh, blood alcohol content, and it is good. It's fine. <laughs> like, that's really <laughs> all I can say about it. It's fine. And yes, I did say blood alcohol content because I refuse to say uh, alcohol per volume anymore. I'm just going to call it blood alcohol content. It sounds cooler, especially since we're going to be getting into the Northman, which is just blood everywhere. And uh, that movie. It's so damn good. Taylor's looking at it. It's like, that was the best movie I've ever seen in my life. Hey, Taylor <laughs> loves that movie. <laughs> Taylor loves it. Taylor's like, actually, she only wanted to come on just to talk about the Northman. So we were like, yeah, Taylor, we got to talk about something. Taylor Joy fan too. <laughs> yeah, we were like, Taylor, we got to talk about something more than the Northman and Willem Dafoe because, you know, there's more to life than that. And she said, no, there's not. But I guess we're <laughs> going to get into it. 
So why don't we just right off the bat discuss the year in movies? And um, it, it felt like a recovery year. Like this is the first time since the pandemic, at the very least, that I went into a theater more than I think I at least saw eight movies this year. I think in oddly theaters, enough, I've seen more than eight movies this year, obviously, but in theaters. <laughs> yeah, in theaters. I'm trying to think. I think I've been to the theater like three times. <laughs> like <laughs> two, one for Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, left disappointed. One for Thor Love and Thunder, left disappointed. The other for Bullet Train, had a great time. Um, there's probably, oh, the Batman. Who saw the Batman in theaters? Left knowing that that was the greatest movie of all time, even back in February or March, whenever it was. But, um, yeah, I can't think of anything else, like, off the top of my head that we saw in theater. Yeah. So, oh, Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick I saw in theater. Yeah. I saw Jujutsu Kaisen Zero in theaters. I saw The Northman in theaters. I saw The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent in theaters. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, uh, Bullet Train, Glass Onion, and I think I saw Thor Love, and yeah, Thor Love and Thunder. So I saw seven new movies. Ugh, fuck, that movie was terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, even like, it was not great. I wanted so much more Christian Bale in it. Right. And even like rewatching it on Disney Plus, because we were, you know, Robin's loves the Marvel movies and whatnot. So like showing it to her, and he, I could tell even at some point she was kind of like checked out. It's like, really? You're not even holding a four year old's attention? Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it's a shame because, um, I mean, like, he's a good comedic director. He just kind of got lazy with this one, I guess. Dude, lazy would would imply that he actually did something. You know, it's he walked on the set and said, all right, Christian Bale's going to be Christian Bale, so I don't have to worry about that. And then it's like, who? how many of our kids can we throw in the movie? And even Christian Bale was like, chuck my kid in there somewhere, you know? It's like, oh, okay. Which also, it was funny because I feel like Christian Bale played, like, four different characters in it because every time he showed up completely tonally different with how he played the character right and it was perfect you know and <laughs> as opposed to chris hemsworth like skating through in between uh episodes of his limitless show he's like oh, i'll just i guess i'll i'll pop in here and film some soul <laughs> all right i'm out of here bye <laughs> but like no one cared just absolutely no one cared even nelly portman came back and you all she might as well just had a sign to set here for the paycheck you know it's like needed the money just ridiculous. I mean, ugh, just awful. Fucking awful. But we won't be talking about that garbage. But uh Taylor, what about you? How was your uh, best? That's right. How I... was your year of seeing the Northman five times in theater? We're not even gonna get into that. But I am usually at the theater I'd say at least twice a week, definitely. Um, I've seen a well over 40 movies this year in theater. I was more committed than we are, Mike. She should be a host of this podcast. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you can I give should. a shit, apparently. list against the world. Yeah, apparently Pulling we could give a shit. Out. But it was, I agree. It's definitely a year where I feel like going to the movies, like, I guess in the midst of things kind of getting back into the swing from COVID and all that, it's just like, all right, it's the point of being able to do this again. Like, there aren't that many great options. It's just kind of like, yeah, it was good. Where this year, I feel like each movie I saw, there wasn't one that was truly like, that was decent. It was like either absolute love for it or absolute pure hatred for it. Why don't you tell us about your least favorite movie this year, Taylor? <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, the Northman is not it, but it's certainly on the list to be it. <laughs> we still Ugh. had complete flops like Amsterdam that was able to surpass that. Amsterdam, that was Margot Robbie, Christian Bale, and uh, Denzel Washington's kids. Yep. Despite having like an absolute stacked cast, it was two and a half hours of nothing happening. And Taylor what? Swift was even in the movie. Why does every movie have to be two and a half hours nowadays? Like, why does that have to be everything have to be so damn long? <laughs> no, there's no like hour and 20 minute options anymore. Right. Like the Batman, I is my exception to that because I could have watched four hours of that movie. Like I, I just I thought it was amazing. But like I get it why people are like it's so long. I'm like, yeah, I know, but it's for me that's the point. Like it's not supposed to be your wham bam, thank you, ma'am, like kind of thing. But but like, yeah, it's like why does and I'm like looking at some of the things that we watched, like why does um glass onion have to be like two and a half hours long? it doesn't need to be two and a half hours long (laughs) and glass onion is my most disappointing movie of the year right like unbearable weight of massive town i think is an hour 45 perfect Perfect. length (laughs) i think it's an hour 45 perfect length but even jordan peele's nope was like two and a half hours long jesus something that much like did not need that could have easily been cut by half to get the same point across yeah, there is so much you can take out. And it's like Doctor Strange. Like, wasn't that like three hours long? Like, you yeah, can cut some... 45 minutes out of that movie. Easy. <laughs> Easy. Yeah, and like, obviously misnomer because Multiverse of Madness. We got to see like two universes extensively. One universe, kind of. And then we flashed through like three universes. The best sequence of the movie was the part where we're flashing through the different movies and it's for universes and it's for like 30 seconds. It's yeah. fucking ridiculous what Kevin Feige's ruined about all these directors. Like Sam, Sam Raimi could have done a great movie, but Kevin Feige had to be like, no, it's Marvel. You this, to, blah, it should blah, have blah. been like a Scooby-Doo episode where they're running in and out of doors, but instead of doors, it's different universes. That would have been great. That would have been phenomenal. Kind of like everything everywhere all at once. It's like what it exactly. Been. <laughs> everything oh, everywhere all at once did multiverse well. Yeah. I mean, of course, it's you know, Michelle Yo versus Benedict Cumberbatch. I mean, I'm gonna go with They're Michelle Yo every time. Pretty highly acclaimed actors. Let's I'm going go. with Michelle Yo every time over Benedict when it comes to action movies, you know. That's true. <laughs> it's like it's not funny. It's, it's Sherlock, okay. Maybe not Michelle, maybe Benedict, but it's an action movie. You go with Michelle Yo. <laughs> Michelle Yeoh is awesome. She rules. Oh, good. Now, what I'm just trying to think, like, what else was there? I mean, again, like Top Gun Maverick. Like, Top Gun Maverick was another one where it's like, I hate, like, we, my hatred for the original Top Gun is well documented on this podcast. But seeing the new one, I was like, all right, this, it's, it's essentially a a remake of the original because all the original stuff's in Maverick, but with like little twists. But and then it's basically Star Wars, you know, for a little bit, you know, and and then it was like, but for some reason, the whole time I'm like, all right, this is an action movie, this is adrenaline, I'm I'm dealing with this because I'm actually watching people do these. Now, things. I do like I Miles Teller, so I guess that like I haven't watched Top Gun Maverick, but I probably should. It's pretty good. It has such a great cast, though, which I think the first movie lacked, not in terms of even who they casted, but getting the audience to feel connected to the actors in the movie. Like, even those who are even more of, like, a side part, 
I felt still had like significance to the plot or were actually meaningful on the screen rather than just kind of like filling the space in there. Yeah, absolutely. Then you had our most recent blockbuster of the year, Avatar The Way of Water. I'm so glad that that's like not bombing at the box office, but not blowing the doors off. Like, I'm so glad that James Cameron's getting, you know, brought back down to earth with his bullshit Smurf movie. I know we refer to pitch meetings a lot, but I watched the, I haven't watched the movie. I watched the pitch meeting, which I'm pretty sure is the best way to watch the movie. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, there's no reason to actually go and see that movie. Did they already sign on for like another three installments or something? It's supposed to go like Avatar 6, you know, like the Smurfing. It's so unoriginal. They even brought the villain who died back to life. (laughs) Isn't he like an Avatar now or something? Is he like a Navi or some shit? It's like, what are you doing, Jim? Then he's like, oh, yeah, I I, I filmed them all at once to avoid the Stranger Things effect. It's like, no one cares. Just put your damn movies out, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Me and Taylor were texting about it, and I'm like, it's like the Gal Gadot of movies. It's nice to look at, but has no substance. (laughs) But you don't want to hear anything it has to say. (laughs) Ever. God, she sucks. It's gorgeous, gorgeous looking movie. I don't care. Can't act. Can't do story. Can't. <laughs> yeah, the pacing of it is just horrible. Like at least with like Titanic, which is also over a three-hour movie, um, it's like well paced. So from the beginning to the end, you don't feel like it lulls. Where I feel like with Avatar, it's like all right, action lull, action lull, and it makes it feel longer than it possibly even is with three hours. Right, and it's like technologically speaking, yes, I give it the credit that it is groundbreaking a beautiful to look at movie because james cameron actually gives a shit about that and like can make a beautiful looking movie because he's a master director but i'm sorry he needs a writer he needs an editor he needs he needs someone who knows how to just trim the bullshit in those movies i mean even like when you look at something like true lies that can have at least half an hour cut and you'd still have a great movie you know there's a bit of aliens that kind of snap that kind of drags some of terminator 2 drags and it's still terminator 2 of all movies you know (laughs) terminator 2 i love all the references and everything everywhere all at once i i love it because you do get a couple terminator references (laughs) yep the one thing you don't get is any uh i can't remember do we get any indiana jones references um i don't because kihei kwan is short round (laughs) yeah yeah, I do think you get, like, I think him using the fanny pack to beat the fuck out of people was kind of a... That's uh, his Goonies character. Yeah, that's his yeah. Goonies character. Yeah, that's, that him coming back, like, to do that movie was amazing. I was like, holy shit, Kihei Kwan's coming back? Wow. Oh my god, he's amazing? Holy shit. <laughs> he's amazing that in that. been his first movie in, like, decades. It's been a while, I think. Mm-hmm. It has been quite some time uh, since he's actually been on a movie screen i think i think he may or may not have done tv i mean i'm gonna look it up but i really i really think it was just this and even this two hours and 19 minutes like a better length they probably could have lost 20 minutes but a better length than literally anything else that came out and no one it's the thing this movie's like and we might as well just get into this movie it's like everyone's talking about this movie because they're hearing about it from somebody else you know it's like you you didn't see commercials first there were no there's no tv campaign there was no like bus campaign or billboards or anything it was just kind of like 
your friend would come up and you'd be like, hey, do you watch this movie? Like, you ever heard of this movie? You'd be like, no. And then you watch it, you'd be like, all right, I'm gonna tell like five people I know about this movie because it's amazing, you know? You know, yeah. JR is actually who convinced me to watch this initially. Because I, I generally trust JR when it comes to his movie opinions. And uh, this act, it, besides Christopher Nolan, I hate him. JR loves him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he told me that this might be his favorite film of all time. And after watching it, I I certainly ho- wouldn't hold it against anyone that said that this is their favorite film. Now, all this right. is the biggest surprise of the year in terms absolutely. of how likable or enjoyable. Speaking of absolutely, I didn't expect the movie to quote absolutely by nine days. <laughs> what? Uh, the song This Is the Story of a Girl. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When they said I was like in my head, I'm like, wait, I know that. <laughs> I know that line. What the hell? <laughs> a line in the movie is your clothes never wear as well the next day and your hair never falls in quite the same way. Right. You never see one other things to say. This is the story of a girl. Yeah, when I heard that, I was like, wait, what? It's like, why does that sound so familiar? <laughs> I, all right, so going, into, going into everything everywhere all at once, I did not expect a, a reference to a 2000s pop punk song. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure they didn't expect it either. They probably very much enjoyed that uh that check though um all right so because of everything everywhere at once it looks like he's going to be in uh episodes of loki season two um prior to this last year he did something called finding ohana which is some pg movie i'm guessing it's just some netflix kids movie and then prior to that 2002 was second time around it looks like it's a chinese flag and then before that you got to go back to encino man which is in 1992 so yeah he took a break from acting for quite some time. I mean, hey, good for him if that's yeah. what he wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, why why would he have to do anything? He's got Indiana Jones and Goonies money. You know, it's he said for a while. <laughs> I also love James Hong in this as Gong Gong. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you can really cast anyone else as a Chinese grandfather. <laughs> I think until James Hong dies, which hopefully won't be for a long time. I think you have to cast him first. If he says no, then you can move on to uh, somebody else. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's weird. Uh, it's... Jackie Chan's starting to get to the age where he could be cast as a Chinese grandfather. Yeah, but because he's Jackie Chan, he'll never allow it. Like, he'll die. He'll be like Tom Cruise. He'll die on set, like, doing some ridiculous stunt that he shouldn't be doing. I can't picture him taking on, like, any type of mellow role. No, no, he'd have yeah. to be like an ass kicking grandfather. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that brings me back to uh, the show Jackie Chan Adventures, where he starred in his own animated show and he has an uncle that kicks ass. I'm like, I could see him playing a role like uncle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, and just it's funny because obviously time travel and multiverses, like the multiverse is the thing now, like every movie has to somehow try to address it because cinematic universes find a way to that's how you get all of your properties on screen at once if you need and to pull them to off from st- different universes and leave it to a standalone movie to actually do it right yeah right and that's the thing like it's kind of like the time travel craze like every there's a, a million time travel movies but only a few of them actually get it right and like make it compelling but then you get the one outlier like you get something like primer like you get primer where it's time travel, but after like 
maybe the second or third time going back in time, you don't know what the hell is happening. And yet they're going to keep going. <laughs> they're just going to keep twisting and turning until you have no fucking idea which way is up. <laughs> now, besides the reference to absolutely, my favorite thing about this movie is the use of the bagel as like the center of everything. Because yes, in terms of a, uh, in terms of actual physics, some people do think that the universe is bagel shaped, but also everything bagels. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. someone definitely <laughs> dropped ass and went to their local bagel shop, and this is how that movie came out. <laughs> yeah. I, I forget what physicists did it, but it, there is like a model of the universe that is bagel shaped, and a lot of it's one of the more accepted models of the universe. Even th- like. Thinking with this movie, like how one of the most dramatic or impactful scenes was just two rocks talking to each other, but not even talking, just like a dialogue appearing on the screen and them staring out into the distance for like seven minutes straight without anything happening. When those googly eyes popped up on that rock, I was howling. No. <laughs> I don't know why. This is was like the whole action scene with the trophies that right. essentially were needed to be shoved up the butt. To have, um, yeah, the uh, the butt plug trophy. trophies. <laughs> I also the sausage, the hot dog hand universe. That was both hilarious and disturbing at the same time. It's hilarious because they went to 2001: A Space Odyssey, like the opening scene with the apes, and they showed the hot dog hands winning out evolution. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's also like because that's the universe where. Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis are together. Yeah. And it's like weirdly compelling that there's like this, like this dramatic love story between the two, yet they have these stupid hot dog fingers. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't even really care about the hot dog fingers. You're like, wow, it's like this story, I'm really into the story. (laughs) I do care about them once they start sucking hot dog fingers. I'm like, whoa. (laughs) You know, it had to happen at some point. It had to happen, you know? But uh, yeah, and it's just just the general idea of having to do something ridiculously weird to try to like trigger your time travel or like your multiple your multiverse travel is like oh, it's kind of stupid, but kinda, all right, it works. <laughs> it ended up reminding me of the Rick and Morty episode with the uh, Nigerian scammers. <laughs> oh, the the uh, the simulation one. Yeah, yeah, yeah where they have to uh, they have to. Uh, basically overload the simulation so that they can make it freeze and run to the edge yeah they have to do like the most random stuff because the system can't catch up or something like that yeah yeah that was weird but like one of the other universes like one of the other universes or parallel existences is like michelle yo's like actual life yeah you know (laughs) and that's the only universe where her daughter doesn't exist right right but yeah that was i mean I remember sitting here because, like, I had one day I was, I think I had off, and I was just like sitting there. I was like, I'm gonna put a movie on. And I threw that on. I was like, oh, this is this is pleasantly surprising, you know. It's it's also you know a well made good movie, and it's fairly dramatic, lots of good action scenes, and it's funny too. Like, there's a lot of like funny parts to it. Well, Michelle Yeoh rules. Like, she rules. I can watch her pretty much in anything. And then yeah, the kung fu scenes in it are pretty great. Yeah, because I mean, look what we're talking about here. Yeah. <laughs> Going like, into it, knowing it's an A twenty four movie, it's like, all right, I expect this to be cinematically beautiful because that's how it is, regardless of how good or horrible or quirky their movies are. Right. And I just didn't expect how 
diverse it would be in its incredibleness. Like you're saying, between the kung fu and the action, between the comedic elements to it, like it's like severe quirkiness, but it worked in yeah. the movie. Like these abstract like ideas of like butt plug trophies and hot dog fingers and and everything bagel being like the epitome of it all. Um, but and even it's just like dramatic elements. Like there were certain scenes I found myself crying over, and I'm like, how am I crying in a movie that has That's all these things, things but is like this dramatic still over it rock? Has, it has two or, rocks talking to oh, each like other. A Hollywood yeah. universe. <laughs> right. And then also, yeah, the overall message of the movie is just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does, it does have that weird, it does have that weird cliche story that, and it's, it seems to only happen in, well, you see it a lot more because it's, you know, people trying to put their culture on screen and whatnot, but you don't use, you see it in movies about white people, but it's usually a little more clunky. Like the fact that a grandfather is like old school, they can't handle his granddaughter potentially being a lesbian or hearing about that. So mom wants to hide it for grandfather. So he's happy and all that. But it's like, I feel like you see that in all kinds of shit. Like recently we saw it in Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, that was part of Freddie Mercury's life and the way they twisted in that movie is to make his father very disapproving of who he is, you know, and all that. And it's not just the fact that he's a musician, you know, it's the fact that he is also gay, you know, but it's in would to have that like little bit of a cliche story. I was like, all right, but they don't make it. They make it a major plot point, but they don't really dwell on it. Like they kind of, touch on it a little bit and then it, it make it has to be a part of the big finale which it works during but i was glad they didn't teeter more into the you'll never understand me you'll never have my back blah, blah, blah. like there's no cattiness between the daughter and the, the mother like yeah, there would be if it was about white people <laughs> yeah like they don't make it into a cliche it's like yeah. nice but in there that it's like buildable and impactful it's not like all right we get the point here like let's change it up we've seen this plot line before yeah, everything was done just so perfectly in every single way. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was good. It's and it sucks because it's like that one movie every year where somebody is like, "Hey, this movie rules," and then of course when it comes around to the Oscar time, it's like, "Well, this movie should have been nominated, but it won't be because the Oscars are out of touch." But yeah, if I they shit. should very clearly win Best Picture in my book. It should at and least be nominated at the very it's least. Not particularly yeah. close. No, but I, it I know should the, be one of the, be, the betting favorites is the Banshee of Inisherin. I know Taylor watched that. I don't know Ross did you? No, no, but it's like in Bruges, like it's but the in Bruges guy, right? Yeah, yeah, and I enjoy in Bruges, and I <laughs> even enjoy Seven Psychopaths. But this movie was just so fucking depressing. Like it, made which me means it'll be at least at the front runner but, for best picture. <laughs> but it like had that just cinematic element to it, and even that what made it weirder was like just the general concept of the movie in like layman terms is like one like 50 something year old man decides he doesn't want to be friends with another 50 something year old man anymore and the guy's upset and wants their friendship back and it sounds like most just like concept (laughs) and it just becomes this just wild absurd overly depressing film which was great but it has all the characteristics of an oscar It'll be nominated for us, for sure. 
first watching it, I was like, this movie's pretty good. And then the more I think about it, the more it pissed me off where I'm like, I've continuously lowered my rating the more I thought about it on the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But there is a legitimately funny scene where uh, Colin Farrell's trying to get this musician to leave the island. And he's like, <laughs> oh, it's your mom. Uh, she's in the hospital. He's like, my mo-. he's like, my mom's dead. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, it's your dad. Uh, he was hit by a bread van. And he's like, the guy's like, that's impossible. He's like, no, it's people get hit by bread vans every day. He's like, I know. That's how my mom went. <laughs> <laughs> it like genuinely has great acting, which I can agree with why it would be nominated with like in the Oscars. Even Colin Farrell did an incredible job, and so did everyone else in the supporting cast. And I love that. It does minimize movies like Everything Everywhere All at Once, that although they don't have cinematically like what you would expect of the Oscars, but given like the editing, the performances, the plot line, the screenwriting, it 100% should be there and should win. And this is a movie that, like you said, had absolutely no advertisements. But everyone is talking about it, and not even just that, everyone is absolutely raving about it. And that's this movie proves that like word of mouth works for a good movie because opening weekend it only had five hundred and one thousand at the box office. Which one are we talking uh, about? Banshees or everywhere? Everywhere. Gotcha. Um, and then worldwide gross, it ended up grossing hundred and three million on a twenty-five million budget. Yeah, yeah. But like when it comes down to March, whatever, when the Oscars come out, it's going to be Banshees of and Tar. It's going to be whatever that World War One movie is that just came out. That's that's a guarantee because it's a World War movie that came out in December. So that's guaranteed to be a nominee for. Best I think movie. North. I think the Northman has a shot at best cinematography. Yeah, but it'll be nowhere near like best costume, right? They, even though like all of that should be like it, makeup and all that, it should absolutely all be there. But it won't. Yeah, the be. Uh, the podcast historian is returning because <laughs> we talked about the Vavavich. The Vovovich, that fucking movie. Yeah. yeah it's the same director. Uh, he does everything so, like, he does his research on historical accuracies, and it it really works for me. Like, I, I am the target audience for that type of movie. I love that movie. That movie is so cool, especially, like, I was digging it because for some reason, like, there's two things in this movie that got me into it. For one, I love Alexander Skarsgård. For some reason, I just love that dude. Like, I think he's cool as shit. Like, the, so, like, to see him actually, and he, like, I think he might actually legitimately be an actual Viking man, you know? <laughs> so, like, for him to get all jacked up like he was and play a Viking, I was like, oh, there you go. It's just, you know, biopic of his family. But then when he starts, like, barking like a dog, like, and all that shit, and when they're in their fight, and he's just stomping through that town like that little village like killing everybody and then it's it's the whole thing is great and it's it's basically hamlet is what it is it's the original norse story that it's based off of is essentially became hamlet yeah yeah that's um this movie was actually another movie was made based on the story in the 90s starring christian bale oh so i thought you're gonna say the the mel gibson hamlet it was like yeah it's almost (laughs) no no but um yeah so this is like one of the most beautiful looking movies you'll ever see um i don't know where it was filmed but it definitely looks like it was uh northern ireland northern Northern ireland Ireland, okay doubled for uh iceland okay and uh because and it's got that like because robert eggers movies all have that like shot in the dark 
like kind of feel to it like there's no sunlight allowed like you have to like shoot at dusk or dawn and that's about it like you you have to shoot at nighttime you can't shoot with any actual sunlight showing because it's got to be dark and terrifying i love how he shoots his dark scenes because he basically makes them black and white the way he shoots them and it looks incredible and then suddenly you get willem dafoe showing up as a shaman i mean okay for one because i texted mike the second it happened i was watching this movie willem dafoe showing up this movie in the shaman is not the shocking part of this movie it's ethan hawk as a fucking ancient viking king (laughs) when he showed up i was like get the fuck out of here (laughs) Why is that man an ancient Viking? Which is funny because he actually Ethan Hawke played Hamlet in uh, I think it was two thousand one. Ethan Hawke played Hamlet. It's completely different than being this Viking king. I was like, yeah, Hamlet works, but no, <laughs> that is not the character for Ethan Hawke. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, I mean, when I look at the movie, yeah, the fact that I saw it was Ethan Hawke, I'm like what are we doing here but it like worked like he was fine yeah i mean (laughs) if he was if he was in the whole movie it would have been a real problem (laughs) for maybe like 10 minutes and like right nothing and left but but even showing like the diversity of his roles he's in this as a viking king and then was in the black phone this year as a child kidnapper right what was what the hell was the uh, there was another movie i was watching that had a sudden ethan hawk in it um oh glass onion Oh yeah, <laughs> had a brief Ethan Hawke appearance in it, but um, but yeah, I mean the Northern. It's so much of Willem Dafoe as a shaman in that like little like that underground cave thing where they have like yeah. the uh, the ritual or whatever it is. I feel like if you're in a dark bathroom and you say Willem Dafoe five times into a mirror, that's what happens. Like he appears he out, like, he, does, like he's shaman. he shows up and he makes you eat magic mushrooms. Right, he pops out of the weed, pops out of the. uh pops out of the mirror and makes you eat like haunted meat or whatever the hell they had to drink it's almost that. like uh, the family guy episode where brian or Stewie's making brian pick a new name he's like willem defoe he's like no i don't like that name willem defoe lives under my bed yeah <laughs> <clears throat> you sleep yet <laughs> just check. but uh i mean i know taylor this was your favorite movie of the year right mm, i have opposing feelings <laughs> on this movie quite so but I listen, I will give it to it that cinematically this movie is absolutely breathtaking and the way it's shot, the coloration of its like films, even the score that that has coinciding it, the action sequences are outstanding. I loved the graphics of it. Um, I just like the movie itself. I was not crazy about, I feel like I could, wasn't really rooting for any characters. I didn't feel like I really cared for any of the characters. They're all just kind of like... Well, yeah, it's Hamlet. You don't care for any of the characters. You weren't rooting for Bjork as a shaman? <laughs> like a little priestess or whatever she was? Uh, where's Willem Dafoe? I need him to come back here now. Fucking Dafoe is great. Yeah, Bring you gotta turn into your bathroom mirror. <laughs> and I just, I guess, because the way it was advertised, like, I know it's based on Hamlet, but it looks like kind of Viking gladiator, in a sense. And it and is. There's a, there's I actually a couple it. lines where he does like the Maximus Decimus Meridius, like whatever, like speech kind of. And I was like, wait, this is just fucking Gladiator. What are we doing here? <laughs> exactly. And I love Gladiator. So I think I was expecting similar to that in like depth and emotional attachment. And I feel like I just didn't get that. I was like, all right, like, listen, I can appreciate that this movie is great at its editing and how it looks. 
And even that, I'll give the final action sequence on the volcano there was awesome. <laughs> you but mean the Obi- battle between Obi-Wan and Anakin? <laughs> exactly. But it's just, I mean, it all goes back to other movies and it's comparison. And I'm just like, right. technically, other movies come back it. to it. <laughs> Yeah, if we go by period that movie is set in, then this is the OG. <laughs> also, Anya Taylor Joy, just I was just telling Mike before, I have just a list of celebrities that, without valid rhyme or reason, I'm not crazy about. And over the last year with her roles, she's joined that list. I feel like really? she's the same character, different fonts. I'm just kind of over it. I need a little more from her. So what other movie this year did she smear period blood on a dude? <laughs> Maybe that didn't happen. Was that in Queen's Gambit or something? Was that like season two? <laughs> that was the menu. She joined. <laughs> Checkmate. I, I didn't see the what the Soho movie. I forget what that was called. Oh, last, last night Soho. She's last not bad in that. Soho was an incredible movie. Didn't yeah. mind that, but again, it's the same character, different font, just kind of like this badass, too cool for school, like type girl who knows she's the shit, and like that's it. But that's the only character she seems to play. Yeah, I could, I could see that, but also like her different, like because she's also in the Vivovich, and yeah. in in that she's, I'm, I'm trying to remember, isn't she just like scared daughter? Pretty much. But doesn't isn't that like really all she is in that movie? I guess her like recent roles when I'm thinking between like this, the menu, last night in Soho, Peaky Blinders, like this is all she seems to like keep doing is picking on these roles. And like listen, she's good at that. I'm not gonna deny that. She's an incredible actress, she's beautiful, but she's just now giving me the ick. I'm like tired of these roles. I need a little bit more. Also, Nicole Kidman, I'm done with as well. Nicole- Nicole Kidman does not belong in this movie. <laughs> she does not belong in this movie. I always have to see her for the AMC like opening thing every single doing? time I go. So for like two days a week, I have to get an in-close like shot of her Botox. And now I have to watch her in this. And same thing. like She was in this for far too long than she deserved to be. No, I kind of love that she was like, her son shows up and she's like, oh, yeah, you're a fucking spawn of hatred and I want you to die. After she kisses him, let's also not forget after she kisses him. After she tries to seduce him, he's like, good. (laughs) Not the revenge I was looking for. Not the revenge I was looking for. Did not see the, this didn't happen in Hamlet. (laughs) Right. But, I mean. Wait when she popped on screen, like my wife and I were watching. I looked at Kara. I was like, "What accent she's gonna try? Is she gonna try to do in this one? Because everything she's done recently, she's tried to do some weird ass accent, and it does not work." <laughs> also, I just love the trippiness of this movie. <laughs> I now I um I love that part, but of course, you know this this for me, it's it's it harkens back to why I love like Predator so much. It's a jacked, sweaty dude doing violence, you know? And I was like, this is amazing. Like, when, like I said, when he straight up staples two dudes to a roof, he dismembers these fuckers and staples them to a roof. And I was like, that's the shit I'm looking for in my Viking revenge movie. <laughs> like, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> also, the first, like, berserker scene where the they have, like, the shaman doing the chant and, like, the throat singing is, like, they're all, like, eating the mushrooms and, like, freaking out. And then they go in and just fuck up a whole town. I'm like, all right. 
Vikings. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and then of course he becomes, and what's hilarious is that it doesn't, it doesn't really hit. It doesn't, you don't really notice what they don't let you know what he is until later when he's doing his like, um, his, let's just call it murderous Batman routine in the village. Like at night, he's going around just murdering people and like mysteriously. And they think it's because he was, he's posing as a Christian. And I was like, wait, (laughs) you, you point to the rest of these Christian slaves that you have here. They're all tiny, meek people. What about that guy (laughs) makes you think that he is also the Christian with them? You don't think that maybe he's a Viking with his haircut? (laughs) Cause he looks like a Viking with his haircut. (laughs) Also, the best thing you want to do for a guy like that, make him your slave and then have his work daily route like work routine be a crossfit routine you want to keep this guy in shape as much as possible <laughs> also i don't know the character's name i just referred to him as stabby nose guy but i appreciate that they worked in a subtle uh a subtle comic relief character with stabby nose guy <laughs> but he's he's the guy in every revenge movie that's like the long revenge like yeah. he's the one that gets in there originally but like survives until the end of the movie just to get like the long revenge you know it's and he's the little bitch like revenge too he's like you don't count to anything but i'm gonna fucking i'm gonna fuck you up because of this one little thing that happened when i was like a little child (laughs) you know (laughs) it's the long revenge and the other thing that was like again and it's it's stuff like anya taylor joy rubbing period blood on uh, fuel, fuel, or fuel near, or whatever his name was. Um, I was like, okay, I was like, that shit I'm looking for. Like her as a Slovakian sorceress, maybe I don't buy that, but I do buy her wanting to keep this meat fuck away from her by smearing her period blood all over his face. I'm like, yeah, I get that. Like, I can see that shit. But then when they're playing that like field hockey, baseball, cricket game, or whatever the hell that was, and the mountain from game of thrones is one of them i was like all right finally we get someone in this movie that can realistically fight alexander skarsgård you know <laughs> and of course he gets his ass handed to him because you know our main character is our main character but it's i was like He's okay also just about to fucking kill a child <laughs> rightfully so dude that kid sucked the chieftain's child (laughs) yeah little little shit boy or whatever his name was and then of course there was the line uh it's like the because each word i forget this had like little chapters right where it's like chapter whatever and had little titles and the one title was the night blade feeds i was like dude right there you know i'm standing up i'm like yes yes we're getting to the murder all right (laughs) now this is the this is the only movie of the year that truly felt like an epic to me like i was pumped watching this movie mike i'm gonna disagree with you there because there is another movie that is definitely as epic and has just as much bloodshed and we'll talk about it we do a little beer checking so mike how's your beer I am just about finished my second uh, Cherry Cordial Queen. Again, I love the the ale series from uh, the uh, cream ale series from Bonesaw. They're like 4.7% alcohol. They're an easy drink and they're delicious. Taylor, how is your uh, non-alcoholic Poland Spring? Oh, it is delightful. It's gone lukewarm and 
bottle is all mangled. We're doing great over here. What fla- what flavor of Cody's did you go? <laughs> uh, we went with raspberry. Ooh. Ooh. I'm zesty. Right. So yeah. My Tom's River Celtic Sunrise was good. And now I have moved on to Stars on the Ceiling, which I'm not entirely sure where it's from. Uh, Shipyard. It's from Shipyard in Portland, Maine. So not exactly new, uh, local, but Stars on the Ceiling has uh, the can art of two folks after having had sex. They're laying in bed, you know, all naked and whatever. Now that, of course, gets into... Like I said, the movie that was just as epic as The Northman, just as bloody, and just as sexy as The Northman, which was weird, the Al Yankovic story. <laughs> my, if it wasn't for the Batman having come out, my hands down best picture of the year, which is fucking great. <laughs> Listen, I agree that this movie is great. I'm just surprised that there's not another movie in that conversation. And you know what movie I'm talking about, Ross. Is it... Weird, the Al Yankovic story. <laughs> Talking about the unbearable weight of massive talent. In which we will go to next. Don't worry about it. <laughs> because these two kind of go together. They're, they're very much parody movies, essentially, of a kind. They're satires. Well, this is definitely a parody movie. But unbearable weight's a satire. And it's <laughs> it's more of a knowing, dramatic sort of satire. But the fact that this movie pulled, like, because there's all there's that famous onion headline um for when <laughs> what was it it was like onion it, it was when iron man became so big it was like um iron man trailer made into feature film or so, like after success <laughs> of iron man trailer feature film made or something like that this movie was a funnier die skit it was just a skit and it was like just parroting all those stupid bio music biopics and how ridiculous and up their own ass they are and all that. And it was like, Oh yeah. How funny would it be if it was just weird? How Yankovic, you know, it's, it's one of the most least dramatic, least controversial artists you've ever seen in your life, ever heard in your life in any of music biz. What if he got the biopic treatment? It's like, how dramatic and weird would it be? And then they were like, wait a minute. What if we actually make this thing and we make it a parody of other par- of like music biopics? It's like, because that's what Weird Al did. And Weird Al wrote it with the director. The Funnier Die guys did it. And they got to a jacked Daniel Craig to, to play Weird Al. And it is phenomenal. Both <laughs> Daniel Craig makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> he is so unnecessarily jacked for this role. It's amazing. Oh, wait, no. I said Daniel Craig. Daniel Radcliffe. Either way, the Jack Daniel Craig should be in, like uncomfortable for you. Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> Jack Harry Potter. Very big difference. <laughs> Jack- I was sitting here, literally thinking to myself, "I'm like, did I watch the wrong movie?" I'm like, that was Daniel Radcliffe right there. <laughs> no, that was Daniel Craig. He's just that good of an actor. Harry Potter. Big difference. <laughs> Daniel Craig's just that good of an actor. He made you made himself look like Daniel Radcliffe. Oh. By the way, just a little sidetrack, kind of back to the Northman. I found the 1994 one. Just want to get your opinion on the cast. The uncle is Gabriel Byrne. Okay. The mom is Helen Mirren. Of course. <laughs> the dad is Brian Cox. Okay. Christian Bale is the star. Okay. And Kate Beckinsale is Anya Taylor Joy. That uh, that sounds about right. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> and uh, we'll get into Kate Beckinsale's daughter when we talk about uh, unbearable weight. But um, 
Yeah, this this movie, like Weird is such a great movie because growing up, like I grew up in the height of Weird Al. Like Weird Al was, he's parody music god for as far as anyone's concerned. Were you, know? you and, aware that he's the one that killed Pablo Escobar? Dude, that part, I was, again, <laughs> I was howling because it's so damn great that there's only like, Every now and then in this movie, there's like some little nuggets of truth. Like the fact that he did get his accordion from a door to door accordion salesman. Like, yes, he did. That's how he got it. His dad didn't beat the guy with an inch of his life for selling it to him, but that's how he got it. And then he did record my Bologna in a bathroom, you know, like a public restroom bathroom. Like that actually was how it got recorded. But an Amish paradise got written because his father was of Amish descent. <laughs> right. And it was on Rumspringa in the real world. But like, and that's that's one of my favorite shots in the movie is uh Coolio R.I.P. Uh Coolio just sitting there angry, just stewing. <laughs> it's like that's actually what happened. Like Coolio was pissed. <laughs> because Coolio did not have a sense of humor, apparently. But just the line of we agreed it would be best if you stopped being who you are and doing the things you love. <laughs> That is such a great line for like a parody of a music biopic because there's always that line where the parents sit down and they're like, you will not play the devil's music in this house and blah, blah, blah. And you'll get a job at the factory, quote unquote. And it's always happens. But for that line to actually be said out loud, I was like, you know what? You can put that as like a motivational speech, you know, poster somewhere and have someone's like sad aunt put that on their Facebook page, you know, just, it would just be amazing just to have that become someone's mantra, you know? <laughs> That's it's some of the lines in this movie, even like the more generic ones. Like I, I love in the beginning, nighty night, Alfie, don't let the bed bugs give you night terrors. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And after he goes on stage in that like metal bar and yeah. his, his friends jump on stage and they play the backup, uh, the, instruments he's like why didn't you guys guys tell me you could play (laughs) he's like you're amazing well we just guess it didn't seem relevant until now (laughs) (laughs) and did you speaking of gladiator his the blonde friend is the son from gladiator is (laughs) a russell crowe's son from that movie so it's like hey he all grows up and i think that's the only thing he's done since gladiator i don't think he's done anything else I can't play the new song. It's about ice cream. People love ice cream. This looks more like a whiskey and heroin crowd. <laughs> right, a whiskey and heroin crowd. It's so good. And of course, there's the whole pool scene, which is basically just like an 80s who's who. Um, everyone's in there and everyone like Conan O'Brien is Andy Warhol. Jack Black is Wolfman Jack. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's so many people. Even um, David Watson with Dust Machine or whatever. Uh, Polka Dot Man from... Uh, suicide squad or he's from uh ant-man and all kinds of other like good shit but he plays uh john deacon you know from queen <laughs> and he has to explain to even that crowd who he is because no one seems to know who he is <laughs> but it's just I oh god a, uh, just some like when manuel miranda is the doctor <laughs> yeah and of course my favorite and it's just because I love her. I love her as an actress. Evan Rachel Wood as Madonna. It might be the perfect casting of the year. Like that and Colin Farrell as the penguin in the Batman. Like there's not much else. There's not much better you get than Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage. You know, it's <laughs> they're playing two different versions of Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage. But her Madonna is so perfect and spot on like when she says i technically am a virgin 
except for the fact that I've had a lot of sex. A lot. <laughs> and then, you're just and like then of going course, through the house on the walls. Just making out, like going all through the house, going crazy. And then, of course, as everyone knows in the life of Weird Al Yakovich and Madonna, she, after Weird Al kills Pablo Escobar, she took over the cartel and ended up killing Weird Al on stage at the, uh, at essentially the Grammys. Like, everyone knows happened in real life. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Just, just seeing Madonna, like, leading a drug cartel, it's like, well, that sounds about right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually surprised she doesn't do that now. <laughs> oh, I also love that they had, um, uh, Akiva Sh- uh, Akiva Schaefer as Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper and Yorma Tacone was Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. Also, Alice Cooper comes up in Glass Onion. Yeah. The most disappointing movie of the year. <laughs> Mike had strong feelings about such a mediocre movie. I've but good things about that movie. <laughs> and then I think there's there's a line from Weird that I think I'm just gonna incorporate in my in my own like everyday life. You know, it's he says they say, well, weird. He's like, he's like, you can do the math. He's like, I don't want to do the math. And then later, a couple words in the later, and then you hear, I can do my own math. I said I don't want to. <laughs> I, mean, I think I'm going to just be saying that, you know, for the rest of my life, no matter where I have to go. <laughs> I don't want to do the math. Oh, I already did the math. I can do my own math. I guess I don't want to. <laughs> I just said I don't want to. Why? And I love that that all happened six hours after meeting Madonna. Like, right. yeah, she becomes an alcoholic and everything six hours after She becomes like Madonna. Yoko Ono almost immediately. Yeah, it's it's great. Then there's that drunken Jim Morrison rant that he has on stage. And oh, it's amazing. It's And the and fact then, that he wrote Eat It before Beat It was written. Right. And just and Weird Al himself is like the record executive that he throws the tape out when he goes in, and and then of <laughs> course love, uh, what his like brother is like just digging into Weird Al and Will he's Forte, like, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 enough. <laughs> yeah, Will Forte and playing a much better role than we talked about a couple weeks ago. He's a ridiculous six, but um, but then of course there's the greatest ending line, like you know, as you know, we always they always have the movies, the biopics usually have the the wrap up title cards at the end where it's like the where are they now situation just the fact that it says weird al yankovic was assassinated at the shrine auditorium in 1985 madonna chacon is still at large <laughs> so it's so good it just i don't know why that made me laugh so hard but it did <laughs> because unfortunately madonna is still at large and she is still terrorizing the earth but all right so mike let's briefly get into the fact that you absolutely despise glass on try to do it spoiler-ish free because Taylor hasn't had a chance to catch up with it in between viewings of the Northman. Okay. So, yes, yes. She was enjoying the Northman for a eighth time. Instead of watching <laughs> She's actually watching it right now while we ran on about weird. <laughs> um, so yeah, Glass Onion. Basically what made the original Knives Out so great was like the subtlety of like all the people's tried to look like good people but they were suddenly like subtly dickheads like none of them knowing where your main character's family is from i think she's from paraguay i think she's from uruguay right she's from peru right and it like it's it's a very real kind of like assholeness that you would get from out of touch rich people where all the characters in glass onion are caricatures and they're all basically like your right wing extreme conservative like different flavors of that rainbow and yeah it's 
it's weird Except because the, I, the one character I didn't mind was like the scientist dude, and that's because he didn't really do anything. It's because he's not really a character; he's just a guy, you know. And it's yeah. it's like when they when he started kind of like when they started showing all those characters, I like immediately like I do not lean right politically at all, like really ever. And even I was uncomfortable. I was like, why are we why are we taking these shots? Like, why are all these characters such and arch it just stereotypes? Felt like, it, like it felt so late. It felt like and late and lame at the same time. I was like, "Can is that all?" It's the easiest target in the world right now. Like, you can't come up with something better than this, you know. And then, so the part that makes it like an average movie is the middle, where you're actually spending all the time with Blanc and him doing like his actual breakdown of the mystery. Yeah, that's fine. Like that that works for me to an extent. And let's 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 be honest, Daniel Craig. In the first Knives Out was doing like a half Foghorn Leghorn as as detective kind of thing. In this one, you can tell he's like, you know what? I'm digging into the Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah. I am going to 12 with it and I'm going to go nuts with it. I was like, you know what, Daniel? I love it. Let's do it. Let's keep doing <laughs> it. <laughs> um, Daniel I'm, I'm Craig here for and, it, buddy. <laughs> um, Daniel Craig and I'm trying to think of the other actress. Janelle Monet. Yes. They they are both fine, and I even don't mind Edward Norton to an extent in it. Again, he's playing like a broad tech bro stereotype. Like, there's yeah. nothing subtle about him, you know. And no, there's nothing subtle about it, but there is something about Edward Norton that I'm like, he, it's he because seems he's Edward like Norton. a douchebag. But I kind of enjoy watching him be a douchebag on screen. <laughs> And we also know that in real life, apparently Ed Norton is a douchebag. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of like, oh, so he's just he's good at being himself, you know. It's But seeing that, then there is one scene, tell him, I'm going to ruin it because you might need to be prepped for it. There is a scene that is a flashback scene because all these people have a shared history. And it's a flashback and Dave Batista has hair in it. And it's terrifying. It is fucking terrifying to see dave batista with hair and i was like oh oh god please make it stop make it's it also stop terrifying <laughs> to see how his head wrinkles <laughs> right but it's like uh, i'd rather have naked willem dafoe like in a drunken haunted mead trance than i than seeing dave batista with hair like this is fucking crazy <laughs> but yeah they basically took everything that was good about the first one and just went way way too over the top with it like they, yeah. they take their shots at right wings in the first one with like the Nazi child they call <laughs> a Nazi child masturbating in the bathroom. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but it's subtle. It, it, well, it's not mm-hmm. subtle, but it's it's less so than this. This movie, it's like they might as well have ever had everybody wear like a name tag or like a like a little sign around their like neck that just said, you know. Anti-masker, or you know, or titled white girl, or entitled white girl, you know, and like all that. It's like it, it might as well have been a modern episode of Family Guy. Yeah, it's it's except for the fact like the, the well-aware, self-aware hatred, you know, self-hatred or yeah. whatever. But although, Mike, there was a line that I'm sure I'm I'm surprised you haven't quoted because it's probably the greatest line they've ever written for you. The God. if I ever meet Jared Leto, I'm gonna whoop his kombucha brewing ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, also Jared Leto brews alcoholic kombucha. So right. you know, I can't drink alcoholic kombucha anymore. Thanks, Jared Leto. Yeah, Fucking right. <laughs> and uh Jeremy Renner's hot sauce apparently is called Renning Hot, which that's absolutely what he would call his hot sauce. It's <laughs> there's no other name for that. That's right? I'm not saying there's not parts I enjoyed. I, I, I enjoyed it in a, eh, that's fine. 
kind of way. Like I wasn't. But you, I don't think you like the original Knives Out is probably my favorite movie of the last five years. And yeah, I, no, I was, you, I was fine with Knives Out. Like I didn't hate it, but I and I thought it was fine. And I, I love on the arm. It's like. Mm-hmm. She could stab me with knives forever, and I'd be like, "I still love you, man." <laughs> you know, it's like I love you, <laughs> but it's like so. I was like, even with her and that, and when they tried to kind of turn Janelle Monae into that character briefly, I was like, uh, "No, just doesn't have the same, not the same uh, allure yeah, here." You know, even, even though she does fine, like she's never as likable as Anna Darmus in the first. Movie. No. And I have yet to see, and I'm going to end up watching it. I've yet to see her quote unquote. It's almost like the Weird Al Yankovic version of the Marilyn Monroe story, that blonde movie that she's in, which is sort of, kind of, almost someone's version of Marilyn Monroe's life, I think. <laughs> like, I don't think there's much truth to that, that movie at all. <laughs> but, I mean, it's at least with her, it's like, oh, I might get to see her do some sexiness or something, but she's always sexy. So it's like, do I want to spend three and a half hours of whatever the hell long that movie is watching that when I could just, you know, put in Blade Runner 2049 and have her be sexy Alexa or something like that. It's like, maybe I'll go with that instead, you know, but yeah, it's, you know, I said it was fine. It's I'm glad I saw it on Netflix as opposed to going to the theater for yeah, it. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. That, you know, that's the other reason. Like I saw it in theaters and I rewatched it on Netflix and it didn't get better. Again, I'm on yet another movie that was just too long, just too long. And but speaking of a movie that was not too long, and so we can bring Taylor back and we can rip her away from watching the, the Northman. Yeah, she's um, watching it right now. I can see it. Just yeah, you can see the reason why I hate it. You know, we we can see it reflecting yeah. in her eyes. You know, it's it's just it's weird. <laughs> it's just the one Willem Dafoe scene over and over again. It's I don't, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but um, but unbearable weight of massive talent which one of the highlights of the year it was if you haven't heard of it it is nicholas cage playing a version of nicholas cage and he's at pedro pascal's birthday party essentially and he ends up being like a buddy cop type of movie (laughs) because he's working for the cia at one point pedro pascal is running he's a a drug kingpin or some crime lord or whatever the the figurehead of a drug empire right and it's it's amazing. It's it's just amazing because it is Nick Cage being as self-aware as Nick Cage is playing Nick Cage. And he even plays Nicky Cage, which is a de-aged Nicolas Cage from essentially the late 80s, early 90s. And he's phenomenal. It's just phenomenal. But who plays his daughter in the movie? His daughter in the movie, it's... Uh... Her name is uh, Lily, Lily Mo Sheen. Sheen. She is the daughter of Kate Beckinsale and Michael Sheen. <laughs> okay. And when you look at her, she's got that weird because Nick Cage, DH Nick Cage, is that weird like uncanny valley thing where you're like, oh, this is off putting for some reason. You look at her, you go, oh my god, that's a perfect combination of Kate Beckinsale and Michael Sheen. I am disturbed by, it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she's almost too perfect of a version of those two. <laughs> Was she created in a lab? Who knows? <laughs> but I freaking love this movie. So you know how I know that this comedy is for everyone? My dad made my stepmom watch it and they <laughs> both thought it was hilarious. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> what do you think about it, uh, Taylor? 
I, this was one of the greatest movies of this year. I didn't find myself laughing as hard in other movies as I did with this. It's like the perfect concept of a satire. Like, as you said, with Nick Cage and his awareness, being able to take on a role as himself to like solely make fun of himself, the majority of the movie. This movie also reinstated a love I have for Pedro Pascal that I never knew I had. I just want to like take that man and just cuddle him. Like Javi. Which is amazing in like the most teddy bear-esque fashion of like you just need to be coddled and I just love you. Speaking of teddy bears, there is his love of Paddington too. (laughs) So two things on that. The fact that Pedro Pascal has become a teddy bear is hilarious because I was introduced to him as Oberyn Martell, yes. the, red, the red viper of Dorne. Yeah, speaking of the I mountain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Paddington 2 is incredible. I fucking told you. <laughs> <laughs> also, his daughter saying that she loved Paddington 2 at the end is my favorite full circle moment in movie history. <laughs> It's it is that that was great, you know, because they're talking about the reason it even comes up is because Pedro Pascal's Javi asked Nick Cage like, "What's your favorite movie?" And of course, Nick Cage's response is, "You can't just pick the one. You got to all this stuff." And they kind of go on a big thing, and Pedro Pascal Javi is given his and his number three of all time, and Nick Cage is like, "Come on, you got to tell me." And he's like, "Paddington 2. <laughs> like I cried from beginning to end, and I loved it. <laughs> So they watch it together, and they're both bawling and crying and all that. And Nick Cage says, Paddington 2 is incredible. And Javi turns and goes, I fucking told you. <laughs> Which, Paddington 2 is a good movie. It is. <laughs> I, I have not seen it. I have not seen that. You're or not a fan wait, that. Is James, I have heard of it, though. Like, is James outside. Corden involved in that in some way? James Corden somehow? I feel like if he's involved, there's no way I'm going anywhere near it. <laughs> Um, but in speaking of not going anywhere, like the one downside I have with this movie is Tiffany Haddish's presence. I I can't stand. Oh, come on. She's I can't funny. stand her. She's awful. She is terrible. There's no need for her to be in anything anymore. Like it was funny the first couple of times, but she's awful. <laughs> no, she's funny. This one I have to disagree with. I didn't think her character served as great of a purpose as they try to make her out in like the trailers or the bio of the movie. Right. Because even if you look at any movie description, they make her out to be a lead character. She wasn't in this movie, like to the extreme of being a lead character. Yeah. It's like Ike Barinholtz. Like Ike Barinholtz dies off screen. (laughs) It's like, why were you even here? (laughs) I feel like Neil Patrick Harris as Nick Cage's agent goes unsung. <laughs> and it's it's like a weird little meta joke on its own because in all the Harold and Kumar movies, no Patrick Harris plays a version of himself as well. You know, it's a very fictionalized psychotic version of himself, but it is himself, you know? So to have him be the the um the agent in this is pretty great. But you know who this was gonna go to if Nick Cage said no, right? No. Christian Bale. <laughs> Imagine I that want to shit. See that movie now. <laughs> Just imagine that shit. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know if I can picture that movie. <laughs> it would be a lot more like violently unhinged. I feel like it would. It would be a. It'd be like a maniacally unhinged movie. <laughs> you know, I think they made it. It was just uh, American Psycho. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
You were saying, Taylor? I was just saying, I'm like, it's exactly that. Like, Americans say, I'm like, I can't picture the comedic elements that, like, Nick Cage brings to the table. Like, I'm trying to think of a comedic performance by Christian Bale. And for some reason, I'm thinking of Thor, Love, and Thunder. (laughs) Like, I'm thinking of Gore the God Butcher. And, like, it's when he's telling that story to all the kids. And he's like, the snake head or whatever the hell he has there. It's like... Right there. It's like that's that's the guy. Like that's the that's the one. That's the like tone I'm looking for here. But I don't know. Like he and Nick Cage are such different actors that it would it would almost have to be a different movie, you know? Well, you know, most of the movie would be him returning videotapes. Oh god, that'd be great. God, that would be so goddamn great. I have to go return some videotapes. Right. (laughs) Taylor? Yeah, I was saying they tried to do that even in Amsterdam with like Christian Bale's character. Oh, really? Like comedic. And it, again, just, I mean, part of the whole like non success of that movie just did not hit or like did not meet its target audience as I think they anticipated it to. Like, yeah, that's that's kind of like a secondhand embarrassment of you trying to pull that joke there. Right. Yeah. That's, I was looking at lists and Amsterdam was at like the bottom of a lot of lists. It's also it's another one of those movies that kind of suffered from a lack of marketing. Like they showed it a couple of times. I remember watching like I guess football or something, and like they'd show an ad for it every now and then, but then it would it like disappeared. And like the couple of times we did go to the movies, I think they played it before a couple of movies we saw. But then that was really all I ever saw of it. And then all of a sudden, I noticed it was on like HBO Max. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> when did Apparently that movie actually come lack- out? <laughs> Apparently, a lack of quality was the bigger issue than the lack of marketing. Seems like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's no kind of like what star-studded person you put in that movie, it could not save it whatsoever. That's kind of how I felt about the uh oh god, what was the Florence Pugh the Oh, don't worry, darling. Don't, don't worry, darling. darling. That movie was terrible. That yeah, movie, because I don't get like I saw all over social media people hyping the hell out of this movie like that's the biggest mind fuck I've seen in years. Blah, because blah, they blah. haven't seen a different movie. <laughs> I'm like, have you guys never seen a movie like right. ever? Any I, any term? Because that was just the most average movie ever. If there I haven't just like in the middle ground, that was it. I haven't seen the movie, but I'm gonna go ahead and try. I'm saying both of you have seen it. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go ahead and guess what happens in the movie. Tell me how accurate I am. So it's basically like Stepford Wives mystery. Like, why are all these people so perfect? What's going on? There's some sort of secret cult, I'm assuming. Um, Florence Pugh's character is like waking up. She's starting to recognize shit. She, but they have to like keep her, keep her down essentially because she's a woman in a man's world. And then it turns out that either a she was in a different real world the whole time and it's some sort of fake simulation or something like that or like a village <laughs> yep. scenario or like a village yep. scenario yep, or right. yeah I say or it is the real world and she just has to break out of like i said like a village scenario like they're really living in like a commune in the middle of the actual world Simulation. Simulation. Okay. Yeah. So, and I'm pretty sure the rest of it was was pretty on as well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, like, when, Florence was the only one that like even delivered in that movie. Everyone else was just same thing. It was just kind of like, 
All right, star study cast, and none of you can hold Even your Chris own. number four didn't do much. Well, okay, he's Chris number three. Hey, Chris Pratt is number four. <laughs> um, but Florence Pugh, you can expect to bring it every time because she's great. Like, even in that shit ass Black Widow movie, she's clearly the highlight of the movie. <laughs> you know, it's, but she's great in pretty much everything. I have, I don't think I've seen her in something that I didn't enjoy at least her performance in. Yeah. I you know, she's great. So, like, even putting her in Olivia Wilde's like sophomore philosophy class, like women's, women's like rights philosophy class of a movie. Yeah. Like, Feminism 101. Like, that's Olivia Wilde's movie, essentially, here. Yeah, she's going to be the star because everyone else around her is lesser just by virtue of who they are compared to her, you know? <laughs> and you have Olivia Wilde directing. What are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> now, I am curious what would have happened if Shia LaBeouf was in it. <laughs> Dude, you know it would have been uncomfortable for everyone involved. The movie's instead of the marketing being purposely the oh did the Olivia Wilde fuck Harry Styles um like because they knew they had shit on their hands with the movie they knew they had nothing original so they had to come up with something to get people to see it so you focus on the celebrity romance and then the fact that um of the meme moment of did Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine like you focus on all that shit as opposed to the actual movie to distract everyone and of course, Florence Pugh being like, yeah, I'm not touching the marketing with this for with a 10 foot pole. I'll do my contractual obligation like Fallon interview, but I'm not going to do anything else. So when she's like, no, I'm not going to get involved, you know, something's wrong. You know, when one of your actors pulls away from the marketing push, there's a problem. <laughs> Even something as big with that as when they were at, um, what was it? Was it Cannes Film Festival? The one where like the whole Chris Pines um harry styles spit on him thing whatever no, film festival they were at in italy before this they had like a whole q a panel going on with the whole cast they said oh like florence unfortunately couldn't make it like she's doing her best to get here from filming dune meanwhile florence Pugh at that exact moment is posting on her instagram stories of her just getting absolutely drunk throughout italy and just annihilating any martini in her path right and it's which like, I would rather be doing as well. This. Like she's not even helping you guys hide this. She is blatantly showing like this cast is fucked up. I'm sick of this movie. I did my part and I'm done here. I'm going to show up. I'm going to look hot on the premiere and that's about it. Yeah. There's a difference. There there really is a difference nowadays because when you look at a movie back in the 80s like Caddyshack, Caddyshack had the same problems behind the scenes. The same problems. Everyone was drunk all the time. Everyone was fighting all the time. Bill Murray and Chevy Chase got into fist fights behind the scenes. Like, everyone was worried about that. But when you look at the movie itself, it's groundbreaking comedy and it's fucking hilarious. It is a legendary movie. Don't Worry, Darling, on the other hand, is not. <laughs> it is not that movie. So when they sit, when behind the scenes, when, when your main star would rather get hammered on a tour of a bar crawl through Italy, yes, you have a big problem on your hands here. <laughs> because the only other controversy is the fact that the director may have fucked the star. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? You know, it's not Harvey Weinstein subjecting women and sexually assaulting them, you know, to ruin their lives. This is two people presumably horny and wanting to fuck that did who cares you know it's like there's no it's it's the anti-story here you're trying to give me something that's not there (laughs) the first 90 percent of the movie nothing of note happens nothing 
<laughs> I think I that's like- why people thought it was the biggest mind fuck. They're like, holy shit, this isn't just, you know, everyday life. Everyone's just surprised that a movie happened. The only people who are raving about this movie are the people who have every single inch of their walls covered with a Harry Styles memorabilia. Oh, oh, the only people who love this movie. Tell the please, I, I can't think of those people. They're too disturbing. <laughs> In the simulation, they made it so that Harry Styles picked a British accent because he couldn't do a convincing American accent. Of course not, because he's fucking Harry Styles. What are we doing here? <laughs> We're not talking about Christian Bale, a person who no one realized was actually European <laughs> because of how, how well his American accent was. You know, it's just like, what are we? What are you doing? What are we doing? And it's weird that as a culture, we're not savvy enough somehow to realize the marketing ploys. Like we can realize that Instagram influencers and whoever their paid advertisements or their subtle advertisements, everyone, we can recognize product placement and how horseshit that is in a lot of movies and TV. Yet when a movie's hype is all about the behind the scenes shit and not the movie itself, we, we can't come together as society, society and say, Hey, no, <laughs> we're not going to watch your movie because we know it's garbage and you're trying to hide it. <laughs> we're not going to do it. Now, I feel like we should do one more beer check-in and then finish on a high note and talk about like Bullet Train or the Batman or something because this was, I would consider this a good year for movies and I feel like we shit talk a lot of them so far. <laughs> because as is every year, there is a lot more <laughs> shit than there is good. No. <laughs> Don't even get into Halloween ends. Oh, dear oh, yeah, God, that, I forgot that's about what that. I thought you were going to answer was your least favorite movie. I, say, I rightfully forgot about that. But, um, oh, okay, well, no Taylor is a horror. So you're a horror girl as well, yes? All right, oh, yeah. so after this brief check-in, so Taylor, how's your poll in spring? It's finished. <gasps> you're hydrated? You're good? You're hydrated? I'm hydrated. No. All right, perfect. Mike, how's your beer? I'm just about done my third Cherry Cordial Queen, and it is delicious. All right. And my uh, stars on the ceiling. My uh, it's, you know, stealing oceans featuring Scott. I guess that's the big commission. Some artists to do the can art. Fuck, who cares? But it's fine. It's like a blueberry ale. It's interesting. But uh, on ale, ale with natural blueberry flavor added. It's good. So. All right. So now for an extended take on Halloween ends and Terrifier 2. Uh, Taylor, go ahead. Um. Halloween ends. You see, I'm a tough critic as it is. I will admit that. However, I didn't think anything could get worse than Halloween kills. The only reason that Halloween ends didn't get a zero out of five stars is because Anthony Michael Hall wasn't in the movie and no one said evil dies tonight. And because of those two glorifying factors, I thought it rightfully deserved a quarter of a star out of five stars. But how do you make a conclusion to the Halloween franchise and Michael Myers isn't even the villain in the movie? First off, Michael Myers becomes an incompetent, weak old man hiding in a sewage drain. Recuperating. Recuperating in that sewage drain. (laughs) That's being emotionally manipulated by a middle-aged or middle 20-something-year-old guy. Hey, he has a name, Taylor. His name is Corey. <laughs> Corey can Everyone go fuck himself for all I care, to be honest. 
that movie was so atrocious. I literally am still so emotionally impacted by this movie that I was yelling at my coworkers today about how Jamie Lee Curtis was equally in the best movie of the year and in the worst movie of the year as well. And I'm like, how is this possible in this Patrick Taylor's coworkers were like, God damn it, Taylor. Enough with the Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> We've heard it. We get it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm done with the Halloween franchise. They killed this for me. The amount of times I just was appalled in that movie theater and calls for clapping sequences for my absolute anger. There are oh. very few movies that made me want to go out and demand a refund for how bad it was. And I didn't even pay for this movie, but I wanted to demand a refund for it. <laughs> give me how, back my time. Give me was... back something for this. I don't give a, a hoot what it is. I just need some respect for spending my time in there. What was your reaction when, and who cares if we spoil it because the movie does suck. What was your reaction when the kid dies in the beginning? I was just like... I, I was like Game of Thrones style. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, I was howling with laughter. I had to pause the movie. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> I was like, I I'm know. like, is this for real? I'm like, it made me laugh like, so hard. <laughs> but I was so confused. I'm like, where is this going? Michael Myers isn't even here. Right, so what's right. the purpose of this? Little did I know we're meeting our villain right now. Corey. Not Michael Myers. <laughs> And like, who would have thought that Myers betrayed him in the end? Everyone remembers famous horror icon Corey. The one scene that left me howling uh, to the point I like keeled over in the AMC seat was how they were like reinstating Michael Myers becomes more powerful every time he kills. And he's sitting convulsing in the sewage drain regaining like his powers he's like the Hulk (laughs) what the fuck is happening right now like is this supposed to be like whoa look at him go I'm like I think this man just needs to go back to the psych hospital or maybe a medical center because something's wrong with him that's right the the natural the natural progression for the character of Michael Myers would have been something along the lines of terrifier where he was literally born as the spawn of something evil and like what they call him the shape of evil and that's basically what Loomis said that's what Dr. Loomis has been saying since the first movie like he is just evil incarnate you know (laughs) it's like with terrifier and like listen these movies are not by means the greatest movies of all time i'm not gonna sit here and be like terrifier i I don't think i don't think a truer statement's ever been said (laughs) yeah like it isn't but art the clown stays with who he is he doesn't change who he wants to be for his audience art fucking terrifying he's terrifying he does his thing he preys on random people. He wants to kill them in the most graphic way possible. And you know what? He does his job well. And speaking of a movie that was far too goddamn long, Terrifier 2 is about an hour too long. <laughs> I just, I remember going in to see it with my friends. And I'm like, this has to be a mistake on like AMC's part for the movie. That's what I thought too. No, there's like a behind the scenes feature attached to the end of this thing or something, right? (laughs) I thought I genuinely thought it was just like a glitch in like the system. Like, there's no (laughs) shot. Terrifier 2 is this 
long. Two hours yeah. and 16 minutes, I believe it is. But still being that long, it captivated more than Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends combined. Yeah, true. Absolutely. I yeah. will watch Terrifier over and over again before ever watching another Halloween movie. Now, a better horror movie to watch this year would have been Barbarian. <laughs> oh my, Barbarian. Talk about another sweet surprise of the year. Yeah, that's on HBO Max right now. It's it's one of the ones that's on my list. I've not watched it. I know what happens in it, but it's 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 on my list to watch because uh apparently it has a Bill Skarsgård appearance. Again, the Skarsgård brothers. I'm their biggest fan. I love those dudes. And so when Bill Skarsgård shows up, who apparently was supposed to also be in the Northman, he was supposed to be playing the um the shitty kid, like the older kid of Fjolnir, like the yeah. the, the adult kid of Fjolnir. He was supposed the one to play that's him. Like, yeah, you'll never like. We'll give you some people to command, but you'll never be one of us. Yeah, he's a spoiled brat, like kid, whatever. But uh, but not the actual little brat kid. But he had to back out because he was filming something else. But when I saw the, I'm like, hey, Bill Skarsgård's in Barbarian. But then I was like, wait. He's not the villain. He's just like a dude in it. I was like, oh, this movie's really twisted shit up, you know? <laughs> you take one of the creepiest dudes ever and you make him just a regular guy? Wow. <laughs> but this movie has like the perfect marketing, like trailer tactics. Like it does it so perfectly where you go in, you're thinking this movie is just simply like a creepy Airbnb story. Bill Scarf. Skarsgård is playing just some like odd dude who's prying on this girl that's staying there whatever not even 10 minutes into the movie does it just like flip you in the most insane chaotic means possible and it's like what the fuck am I getting myself into for the next hour and a half now yeah and then it's like Justin Long is a dick uh, and then there's some monster that is woman. One thing I will say is when you switch main character perspective, it pulled me right the fuck out of the movie for like 10 minutes once we start following Justin Long. I was still just mesmerized by the first 10 minutes. I wasn't even faced that Justin Long's now being introduced to this movie because I was still trying to figure out what just happened. I think that's most of Justin Long's life nowadays. It's like you don't even notice him anymore. Like when he shows up, you're like, oh, wait. Is that Justin Long? <laughs> oh, no, he's gone. <laughs> and I don't even really miss him. <laughs> but, yeah, like, so, like I, I saw that. I was like, yeah, this is an interesting. Everybody's, this is another movie that everyone kind of, like, raves about. And, like, you hear from your friends or you hear from, like, movie people online or whatever. And no one else is, talks about it. It'll be another movie that when it comes down to the, the Oscar snubs or whatever, they'll be like, well, there's this barbarian over here. Like this is, this is that underground indie movie that always somehow manages to squeak into some sort of golden globes, at least talk, but then never actually goes any farther than that because people are like, well, it's fine. It's, it's not blowing the doors off or anything, but it's, it's a good movie, but it's better than, you know, don't worry, darling, which for some reason won best picture, you know, best comedy at the Golden Globes or some shit like that, you know? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> because it's the Martian or whatever, you know? <laughs> you know, that feel good comedy of the year a couple of years ago. <laughs> My two picks for animated movies of the year are Sea Beast and Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. <laughs> Mike, I think you're forgetting Strange World. I think that was the greatest movie of all time this no. year. <laughs> I mean, I just noticed it was on Disney Plus. Like, has anyone ever actually seen that movie? I think it's the first Disney commercial failure since like the 80s. And of course, it's 
it's not it's not for the fact that they didn't bother to advertise it at all to anyone ever and it's of course you hear the standard because that's what it is nowadays whenever pixar disney come out with a new movie that features people being people you get your conservative side everybody's like oh go woke go broke it's like oh i'm sorry (laughs) a movie about people that are people that exist in the world how awful you know (laughs) it's like oh there's gay characters in it you know who gives a shit you know they're there's they're people who gives a flying fuck because they're not straight white guys you know who gives a shit you know most of disney movies don't feature straight white guys as the main character sorry to tell you you if there's not an anthropomorphic flying carpet i'm not sure i want to watch a disney movie yeah i mean if it's not aladdin i don't know why we're even bothering (laughs) but it's i mean it's that shit cracks me up so because it happens every time you know it happened with lightyear with that's what I was going to say. It happened with yeah. Lightyear. People were pissed off that there was a lesbian couple in Lightyear. It's, it's like, like, who gives a fuck? The movie's not that I great to begin with. Why are we <laughs> focusing on that? <laughs> I was pissed off that I'm pretty sure they made Lightyear exclusively so that they could sell toys of the fucking cat. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't doubt that one bit. One of the best reviews I saw of that movie, because if you've seen Lightyear, the opening little crawl at the beginning, a little title card says, Years ago, there was a boy who loved toys based off of whatever, a movie or something. This is that movie or something. And one of the reviews I saw of it on uh, Letterboxd was, this movie proves one thing that Andy had shit taste in movies. (laughs) 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 It was like, that makes sense. (laughs) It was like little kids have shitty taste in movies or something like that. It was like, yeah, that's about right. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, it's... (sighs) It's a Disney movie. There's Disney Plus now. Like, they're going to dump it on Disney Plus. If it's good enough, like Encanto, like, no one cared about Encanto when it hit the theater. No one gave a shit because they didn't bother advertising it. And the people that they they made toys of, what's Isabella or whatever, the pretty sister, no one wanted the toys for that. They wanted the toys of um, uh, the muscle sister. I can't remember her name. Like, the muscular sister. It was like, Disney doesn't know who their audience is anymore. And they, they can't predict who's going to sell their toys so what they have is they have disney plus as their backup they dump it on disney plus oh and look at that Encanto flies up everybody's singing we don't talk about bruno everybody's going nuts about Encanto. they probably had the same idea with strange world they were like oh we'll dump it on strange we're dumping on disney plus and it'll just take off from there but it's like until today i think i came home and Kara had put on because usually robin has her favorites that just throw on she's been loving hercules for some reason recently and while I love James Woods as Hades and it's an amazing performance and the songs are kind of catchy after a while, you're like, I got to get something new. So she just threw on strange world. And I walked into the end credits and both of them were doing something else. And I guarantee they didn't watch any of the movie. <laughs> it was just background noise, <laughs> which I don't think Disney is intending for that, but they don't care either because it's a dump at this point. They're, they have a new CEO shuffle that they're doing. They're trying to rebuild Next thing you know, we're going to hear Frozen 3 is announced. I almost guarantee that's what's going to happen beginning of January 2023. We're going to hear Frozen 3 is on the way. Everyone get crazy. Tell Where your daughters. Moana 2? That's the other thing. It's like we're going to come up with a new princess movie is what it's going to be. We're going to get back to our roots. We're going to get back to our cash cow. We're going to make money, and we're going to get people back in the door of Disney. We're going to lower our prices because the old, the last guy wanted to skyrocket it, so only the Uber rich could make it. But the old CEO's coming back. He's going to put everything right. 
We can forget Strange World even existed, and next year's Oscars will be the one that Disney wins, you know? And it's my money's on CBS because it's a reasonable success on Netflix that is also like you got a solid voice cast, it's good animation. You got a director, he was the director for Moana. Um, I think he was the he was the writer for Emperor's New Groove and like the voice acting, you got uh you got Carl Urban as your main character. You got Jared Harris. You got Marianne Jean Baptiste. Uh, it, it like it's a solid cast through and through, and the animation is kind of reminiscent of How to Train Your Dragon, which I am a big fan of. But it's a Netflix movie, and it's not made by you know the director of Roma or Steven Spielberg or some shit like that. So it'll go. By the way, so never forget about it. It'll be Lightyear and strange world and the normals that get put in there like whatever trash dreamworks has made up recently if they're even still in existence but it's yeah it's this year may have had its its peaks you know but again the valleys are the biggest problem and all we're getting next year is hopefully and again we haven't mentioned the other big marvel movie that everyone has allegedly thought was good even though it probably definitely isn't black panther wakanda forever and I refuse because of the shittiness and the lack of effort put into and the marvelization of Doctor Strange and Thor Love and Thunder. Now, I refuse I, to watch Black Panther in theater. And so when it hits Disney Plus, I might. I might watch I, it. I've fallen into the pitfall before, but I do want to give the benefit of the doubt to Ryan Coogler because I think he is a very good screenwriter and director. Yeah. But when you look at the actual movie, it's Black Panther just flipped. <laughs> now, instead of Wakanda being the hidden universe, it's Atlantis is the hidden world that wants to blah, blah, blah. I wish uh, Killmonger didn't end up dying so that he could have came in as your main character. I just don't think, and this is a fault of Marvel, they didn't come up with some bullshit way to bring him back. You know, they could have found a bullshit way to bring him back. They should have found a bullshit way to bring him back. Because you lose Chadwick Boseman, you lose your movie, as far as I'm concerned. you uh, Unless to- you make Mbaku your main character. Make right. Mbaku your main character. Shuri is not the way. Shuri is not the way to go. You got Nupitali and uh, Nupitaliango sitting right there. <laughs> she is right there. <laughs> you know, look, I can see her next to Shuri. She's right there. Make her your goddamn main character. She's an infinitely better actress. <laughs> but, or fuck, go crazy. Make Angela Bassett your main character. Make her the new Black Panther. Who gives a shit? <laughs> it's a comic book movie. Who cares? But the second I heard that Ironheart was being in, in, introduced, I was like, no. I'm done. You can't add more Iron Man. I'm fucking sick of it. I no, no more Iron Man. I don't care if he you lose all your money ever. You deserve it because you banked all of you you put all your cards in one basket and then you killed him. You can't just try to bring him back and have different results. It's not going to happen. You can go fuck yourself. I don't care, Marvel. And when that shows up on Disney Plus, I will probably sleep through half of it, wake up and have not missed anything from that movie, you know. <laughs> It's, I, I can't, I just can't do it. And I don't even know what's going to come out next year, Marvel-wise. I can't even think of it. I think Guardians, Guardians 3? Yeah, I believe so. Which, have we seen the holiday special? I have not, but I've heard good things about it. It's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. <laughs> there, There is a bit of, I think we might have not had the CGI budget that we normally get for the movies. Because Groot kind of looks like a guy in a suit. <laughs> so 
it, it is kind of odd, <laughs> but they do. They, it's they're essentially Drax and Mantis are. Um, they're trying to uh, kidnap Kevin Bacon to give to Star Lord as a Christmas present. So it's <laughs> it's pretty fun. It, it is pretty fun. But um, so our twenty twenty three releases are Ant Man and the Lost Quantum. Oh, uh, that's it. Quantum Mania. Uh, yeah. Guardians Volume Three and the Marvels. Oh joy! <laughs> the Marvels isn't that Captain Marvel too? I think so. Because Brie Larson is no longer marketable, we're gonna shove all kinds of different ones in there to see what shit sticks at all. I can't. I'm done. It's all Disney Plus from here on out. <laughs> I'm not spending my money. I'm just not doing it. Give me the Batman too. Four hours long. I'll be there. <laughs> Give me the Northman too. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> How are we making the Northmen too? How's that happening? It's, it's like the movie Hamlet too. <laughs> <laughs> These kids try to put on a satire play of Hamlet. But, yeah. uh, again, that's that's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, Hamlet too, you should watch Hamlet too. It's fucking great. It's like the uh it's like the whitest kids you know sketch of Hamlet where it's actually Hamlet hunting vampires and then yeah. Abe Lincoln <laughs> is like, Where are you going? <laughs> whatever happened to that whatever happened to that phase in Hollywood everyone was something like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter we Pride were taking and Prejudice all those and Zombies anti- is an awesome movie. movie and I will die on that hill <laughs> we were taking those like alternate history like perspective books that had all the rage in like 2010 and we were making movies out of those bring those back they're more they're, action movies. yeah they're better than the shit that's coming out nowadays you know but I don't know I, I don't know. That was 2022. Hopefully 2023 will be better. I I also doubt Batman it. Batman and Bullet Train were both awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Bullet Train. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Watch it. It's fun. I've read the Bullet book, too. The book's slightly different. Yeah, the book's slightly different for Bullet Train, but it's there's no Michael Shannon character in the book, but it's uh, still pretty good. But um, all right, so that's probably enough. Yeah. Yeah, that dude. I love that guy. I love that guy. But um. All right, so that's 2022. Hopefully, in the new year, we'll have new, better movies. Who knows? I'm just fucking rambling now. I don't know why. But, Taylor, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Of course. Thank you guys for having me on. We'll have to have you on again when we do our full, in-depth dive into the Northmen. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I really want to be there for that one. I figured. Yeah, we're going to do our Ethan Hawke month, and we're going to spend most of our time talking about his role in Northmen. But... (laughs) <laughs> or not. I don't think we could make a full month of Ethan Hawk anyway if we tried. But uh, yeah, all right. yeah, a full month of Ethan Hawk. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of say that like defeatedly. It's like, oh, full month of Ethan Hawk. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, so Mike, why don't you do your thing where you tell people where they can already find you? You can find us on Spotify Podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. The wheels are off. The wheels We're are done. off. We're recording this after work this week because Sunday was Christmas. Yeah, we who could care? We who could care? We just, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, just about everywhere. You can find us on Anchor. You know, everything's jumbled right now. Everything everywhere all at once. It's just everything that's where you can find us. Go like and subscribe to our shit. Yeah, just do whatever you gotta do to find us and promote us. And oh, Taylor, we are talking about a Matthew Lillard episode coming up. We will be now. Matthew Lillard. 
That's where we're going to go to next. Uh, January, we've only figured out two people are going to talk about, so we probably have to come up with a couple more and some themes for the next few months. But then again, Mike and I work best under pressure and we have to come up with some last-minute bullshit. So next week, next January, next week, we are going to be talking about some underappreciated actors. And uh, we got two lined up here that are pretty great. First of which, I think we'll, let's, we'll talk about Matthew Lillard first. And um, if we pick the right movie, we can talk about the second guy as well. So if we pick, I think SLC Punk has both <laughs> Matthew Lillard and Devin Sawa in it, I think. Yep. So I think we can probably maybe get two for one in, uh, in a little bit of a, a segment next week. So next week we'll do Matthew Lillard because we love that guy. And we'll, we'll figure something to talk about with him. We've already talked about Scream. Uh, we'll probably talk about it again because <laughs> you know, he's Scooby so damn good at it. Scooby Doo, <laughs> there is, like I said, SLC Punk and other stuff he's been in. You know, Hackers, we've talked about. We might have to revisit Hackers because that was one of our early but incredibly fun episodes to do where Power Man 5000 made it back into our lives and yes. hopefully it made it back into your lives as well. So. Until next week, when uh, we talk about Matthew Lillard, I have been Ross Baker. I've been Mike McGuigan. And Taylor, yet again, thank you for coming on. Thank you guys for having me again. And we'll see you guys next time. So long. The fuck are you talking about? We haven't worked since you were 15. 41 years to be number seven on the call sheet of a goddamn student film. I think it's a good idea. You listen to me. You're Nick fucking... need a struggling artist for a father she needs you to be a star now you get the next one baby and we're back not that we went anywhere not that we went anywhere